Hebrews 6, uh, verse 1, it says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit. So Hebrews 6 here lays it, tells you what the foundations of the faith are. Repentance from dead works, faith towards God, the doctrine of baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Those are the foundations, it says, of the, that's the, the foundations of the faith, basically. So today I'm going to be talking about one of those foundations, the doctrine of baptisms. So we're going to look at the, what the Bible has to say about, the, about being baptized and what baptism is, and um, we'll just see what it has to say. Uh, the definition of baptize, it's actually the word baptize, is, uh, it's from the Greek word baptizo, it's called, it says baptizo. The Greek word is transliterated into baptism, and it means to immerse in water. That's one of the meanings, and that's the meaning that the Bible means means to immerse into water. Now the Catholics say, and the Orthodox, I don't know about the Orthodox Church as well, but uh, the Catholics say that the meaning of the word isn't clear. They say that it can mean either to immerse or to sprinkle. You know how they, they just sprinkle babies with water? Um, so that's what they say, right, the Catholics. But we're going to see what the Bible has to say about that. Um, here's a Catholic depiction of the baptism of Jesus. So here's a picture of, if you see John the Baptist, it's hard to see what he's holding there, but John the Baptist, this is Jesus here. He's got a little cup of water and he's pouring it over Jesus' head. That's the Catholic, what the Catholics think the baptism of Jesus was, right? They think it's just, it's just sprinkling, right? Uh, that's what they think now. Um, they've actually changed what they believe uh, in the past uh, several hundred years. But uh, uh, the Bible proves that it's not sprinkling, but it's immersion. So if we go to Matthew 3, 16, Matthew 3. This is, this is when Jesus was being baptized. So Matthew 3.16 says, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straight away out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So here's, Jesus was in the water, so when he was baptized, then he came out of the water, it says. So he was in the water when he was being baptized. So that is one thing that tells us that it's immersion and not sprinkling. He was in the river, in the river Jordan. And in uh, John chapter 3, I'm going to go to John chapter 3. Starting in verse 20, uh, 22, uh, it says, After these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea, and there he tarried with them and baptized. And John also was baptizing in Anan near to Salem, because there was much water there, and they came and were baptized. 
So it's saying here, the reason they chose that location for baptism is because there was a lot of water there. So there must have been a river or some place that was deep, deep enough for baptism. So it's not sprinkling of a little bit of water because you can get that type of water anywhere. People can carry, you know, wine skins of, or bottles of water, uh, whatever they had for bottles back then, and you could sprinkle someone anywhere. But they didn't choose. They chose a place specifically because there was a lot of water there, and that's the, because baptism was by immersion, not by sprinkling. Okay, and then the third. Uh, verse to support the full immersion baptism is Acts chapter 8. So we're going to Acts chapter 8. This is when Philip was with the Ethiopian eunuch and um, so in verse 35 um, Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus and as they went on their way they came unto a certain water and the eunuch said see here is water what doth hinder me to be baptized and Philip said if thou believest with all thine heart thou mayest and he answered and said I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God and he commanded the chariot to stand still and they both went down, when they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come out up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught away Philip. Okay, so Philip, so Philip and the eunuch both went down into the water. This was this is an, uh, enough water you can go to, go down into it. Philip then baptized him in the water, so it's a full immersion into the water, and then. They came up out of the water afterwards. So that's definitely not a sprinkling. So we have there several verses that uh, support the immer full immersion. And, we, and the Bible actually has zero verses where anyone ever gets sprinkled with water to be baptized. Never happens. So the Catholic Church, I don't know where the Catholic Church gets that from. But, um, but they've actually changed... That, that belief, right? And the other thing that Acts 38 says, proves, and, or Acts 8.37, is that, that verse, 8.37, it's missing from most of the modern Bibles. They've taken that verse out. So in a lot of the modern Bibles, it says, see, here is water, what doth hinder me to be baptized? And then it's, the next thing you see is, and he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water. So it actually removes the verse where it's a, you know, you, you have to be a believer in order to be baptized. And then he responded and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So you have to be a believer, and baptism is like your public proclamation of the faith, right? In public, right? So that is one of the reasons for being baptized, for a believer to make a public proclamation, right? Of the, that, they're, that they are saved. Right, so uh, a lot of the modern versions will take that verse. It's it's not even there. It's taken out because uh, for some because some of these false churches think that you know like the Catholic Church thinks that you know you get baptized as a baby. But this here proves that you have to be a believer first. So it's not for babies. It's not for young children that can't that don't understand the gospel. It's for people who understand it and are can actually make a profession of faith. Right, so. Uh, so yeah, the, the Catholic Church, uh, there was this, there's a book called The History of the Baptists 
by Thomas Armitage, and uh, this was written back in the 1800s. And he says in, uh, in his book, it says, a very warm controversy arose in the sixth century on the subject of trine baptism. Pope Pelagius complains of the Eunomians that they baptized in the name of Christ alone and by a single immersion. He avows that Christ requires baptism by trine immersion and in the name of the Trinity. Pope Gregory II enforces this order in his sacramentary let the priest baptize with a triple immersion with only one invocation of the Holy Trinity. And then, um, so in the 6th century, the Pope said that baptism is supposed to be a triple immersion. So you go into, the, you, it's a full immersion. So you go in the name of the Father, get immersed in the name of the Son, another one, and then in the name of the Holy Spirit, right? And that's how they were baptizing. That's how the Catholic Church was baptizing in the 6th century. And now they don't do that. They just do the pouring. They just do the sprinkle. And that was that was changed in the Council of Ravenna in 1311. There was this council. And they changed the form of baptism from immersion to pouring. And the Catholic Church since then has, been, has, not, has not been immersing. But... Um, this trine immersion thing is what the uh, the Orthodox Church does. They'll take a baby and they'll dunk it three times into the bapt in this, these little baptismals, and it's full immersion for. But it's doing they're doing it on babies. They shouldn't be doing it with babies. It's supposed to be for you know uh, believers, not just newborn babies, right? But they kept the immersion part, the trine immersion. Uh, I'm going to cover that too. The formula for baptism. They would say in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. But they said, the Pope was complaining that there's these guys called the Eunomians. They baptize in the name of Christ alone and by a single immersion. So I'm going to get to that a little bit later. That's uh, a little bit later. Uh, but uh, So here we have in Matthew chapter 3, back to Matthew chapter 3. Actually, I'm going to go to, let me go to Luke chapter 1 first. I'm going to talk about John the Baptist for a minute here. Luke chapter 1. This is a verse I just saw today at the other service this morning. Uh, Brother Bruce mentioned it uh, about John the Baptist, right? So, okay, so he was supposed to be a, he was a prophet. Um, I'm just trying to find the verse here. Uh, so verse 67 his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied saying so Luke 1 and verse 68 blessed be the Lord God of Israel for he hath visited and redeemed his people and hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets which have been since the world began that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he sware to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou, child, now he's talking about his son John the Baptist, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us 
to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, and was in the deserts till the day of his showing unto Israel. So here we have John the Baptist. He was a, a prophet. So he, he's, he came to fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah 40, verse 3, where it says, Make straight the ways of the Lord, I think it says. If I go to Isaiah 40, there was a prophecy about this. It's going back to Isaiah 40, verse 3. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. So that was his job, to go and prepare the way for Jesus to come along, to tell people about salvation uh, by the remission of sins, it says in verse 77. So that was one reason John the Baptist, and he was out in the desert the whole time until the day of his showing until Israel. So he lived in the desert all his life. All right, so now I'm going to go back to Matthew chapter 3. And we're going to see John the Baptist again here. Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says, In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the same John has had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan, and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring therefore forth fruits, meet for repentance, and think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you, that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee. And comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And I read that verse earlier. And then he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So that's the whole passage. Um, so we see here, John the Baptist was baptizing people and telling them, and according to Luke uh, 1, he was telling them about salvation, and he was telling them to repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And they were, so they come and get baptized, confessing their sins. Uh, he, now this verse, bring forth therefore fruits meet for repentance. He's talking to the unbelieving Pharisees. They don't believe 
They're not going to be believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. They believe on themselves. They think they can keep the law for salvation. So he's saying, bring therefore fruits meet for repentance. A lot of people will say, well, look, that means you've got to do works to be saved, right? You've got to repent of all your sins there. But that's not what he's talking to the Pharisees who don't even believe. The fruit meet for repentance is you've got to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. It's not stopping your stopping sinning because nobody can do that. It's just believing uh, on the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. They're, they're not so the Pharisees are not trusting in Him. They were saying, "Oh, we have Abraham. We're you know we're the chosen people, right? You know we're going to get into heaven just because we're because Abraham." He says, "Don't think that. That's not you know you're not you're not getting into heaven just because you're Jew. You're a Jew, right? Uh, you have to be saved just like everybody else." So, so he says, oh, he's baptizing them with water, but then Jesus is going to come and baptize them with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Uh, I'm going to get into that a little bit later. Uh, but then Jesus himself came and got baptized. And I'm just going to see here, why does Jesus have to get baptized? He doesn't have any sins to confess, right? And that's why John the Baptist said, well, I need to be baptized by you because I'm the sinner. You're, you're perfect. You're God, right? But he said, he's saying, let that happen, let it be suffered to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. So he had to come and fulfill the entire law, and this baptism was had had been ordered by by God, ordained by God to be done, right? So he had to he had to fulfill that command as well, even for himself, even though he's not a sinner. But uh, he also needed to set an example for everybody else, and he was. It, it's sort. And then after this, he would start his ministry. So he was starting his ministry, setting an example, because in Philippians 2, it says he took on himself the form of a servant. So he's taking. He's took on himself. So let's go to Philippians 2. Verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And it also says in Romans 8, 3, which you don't have to turn to, for what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the, in the flesh. So he was baptized because he took on the form of a servant. So he's setting an example for everybody else. He took on the form of sinful flesh in the likeness of sinful flesh. So he's sort of getting baptized, even though he's not a sinner, He's still following the law like everybody else. He's not putting himself above everybody else. He's doing the same thing he expects everyone else to do, and he's doing it himself, too, to set an example. Uh, but there's an, uh, another type of baptism of Jesus that he mentions in Matthew chapter 20. So Jesus expects us to be baptized after we're saved, right? So that, and that's one reason he did it himself. Uh, he doesn't want. He, he's not going to, you know, ask us to do anything he hasn't already done. I would say. Uh, but Jesus answered and said in Matthew 20. 
verse 22. Jesus answered and said, "Ye know." Not, so this is when the disciples were asking him, um, Zebedee, mother of Zebedee's children with her son, back in verse 20, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing. And he said unto her, What wilt thou? She saith unto him, Grant that these two my sons may sit, the one on thy right hand and the other on the left, in thy kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, Ye know not what ye ask. Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of, and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They say unto him, We are able. And he saith unto them, Ye shall drink indeed of my cup, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my Father. So he's saying this this type of baptism, he's talking about he has to go to the cross. That's his. That's sort of a baptism, uh, you know, he has to die for our sins on the cross. He's saying, are you sure you're able to follow me and you're going to be persecuted and you're going to be killed as well. You're going to be persecuted and killed as well. And he's saying, are you sure you're going to you're going to be able to do that? And they said, yep, we're able to do it. Uh, and he says, ye shall drink indeed of my cup and be baptized with. And they all were. They were all persecuted, all the disciples. And most of them died. For, I think most, if not all of them, died defending the faith. So they were baptized in the same way. Baptized in, the t in terms of being persecuted and killed for their faith. Um, so that's another form of baptism that it mentions. Um, and I'm going to go back to John chapter 1. And we're going to see what this baptism of repentance is. Because there's a baptism of repentance mentioned it's in John chapter 1, starting in verse um, 25. They're asking John the Baptist. The Pharisees are asking John the Baptist. And they asked him and said unto him, What? Why baptizest thou then, if thou be not that Christ, nor Elias, neither that prophet? So they had asked him before, Are you the Christ? Are you Elijah? Are you a prophet? And he was saying, No, I'm not Elijah. I'm not that prophet. I'm not the Christ. So they're saying, Well, why are you baptizing then? And he says, John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom ye know not. He it is who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latched I am not worthy to unloose. These, these things were done in Bethab Arab, beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold, the Lamb of, the, of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me, and I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him, and I knew him not. But he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom shall thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same as he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. Okay, so that, that there, so John was told by God to be baptizing, and it was because also uh, that it would identify who Jesus was to him. Whoever comes, that person's going to come and get baptized by you as well. 
and you'll see the Spirit descending on him, and then you'll know that that, that person is the Christ, right? Um, so that's one thing about that. Um, so in, that's the baptism. And then we got Acts 13. If we go to Acts 13, where it mentions the baptism of repentance. So we have Acts 13 here. Thirteen, verse 24 when John had first preached before his coming the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel that's just that verse that mentions the baptism of repentance we'll see who is saying repent ye and believe the gospel and uh, in Acts 19 it actually tells you what that baptism what, what he was preaching so if you go to Acts 19 a couple chapters up Nineteen, verse four says, "Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus." When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So this is the baptism of repentance was telling people to believe on on Jesus Christ. It wasn't telling them to repent of their sins or stop sinning or doing works or any of that stuff. It, he was telling them to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. That's the baptism of repentance that John was doing in the, out in the wilderness. Okay. Alright, so Acts. Let, while I'm in Acts, let's just go back to Acts chapter 10. So there's different types of baptism. So now we have, uh, of course, water baptism. Uh, we have in, uh, say, Acts 10, uh, verse 47 says, Peter's talking here, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they prayed they, prayed they him to tarry certain days. So there's a water baptism there. Um, there's not always a water baptism, though. And there's some people that believe. And then in Acts 8, of course, Acts 8, which I covered before, with the Ethiopian eunuch going down into the water, getting baptized and coming back up. That's the water baptism. But there's also another type of baptism. I, I covered this last week uh, briefly. Uh, but there's some uh, denominations that, will, that believe in something called baptismal regeneration. Uh, and they will say that you must be baptized in order to be saved. If you haven't been baptized, then you're not saved. So that you'll see the Pentecostals will say that, the Church of Christ, and the Catholic Church. If you haven't been baptized, then you know you're not saved. Is what they will tell you. But that would add works to salvation, and that would contradict John 3:16 and all the other verses that say all you have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. It, not, it doesn't say you have to be baptized to be saved. But there are two verses that they will twist to pr try and prove that doctrine. So Mark 16, Mark 16, 15, when Jesus was sending the disciples to preach the gospel, so he, and he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, 
but he that believeth not shall be damned. So that's one of the two verses, and it's, it seems to say you have to believe and be baptized to be saved. But notice it says, but he that believeth not shall be damned. It doesn't say he that believeth not and is not baptized. It just says believeth not. So the condition in that phrase is believing. So he that believeth shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. The is baptized part there is not talking about water baptism. It's as you as we seen earlier with uh, where uh, John the Baptist was saying that one, another one is coming and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. That's the kind of baptism it's talking about there in Mark 16. Whoever you, once you believe, you're baptized with the Holy Ghost, right? So that do they misunderstand that because they they don't understand fully the gospel. Uh, those denominations are not saved because they think you, you have to do certain works uh, in order to be saved, such as baptism. Uh, so they don't understand it properly, but they forgot that it said earlier in the Bible that someone's coming to baptize you with the Holy Ghost. So Mark 16 is talking about that. In fact, this is a perfect bookend to Mark chapter 1, where it says that exact thing in Mark chapter 1, that he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And right at the end, it's saying you're being baptized, believeth and is baptized. So it's a perfect bookend on Holy Ghost baptism. Acts 2.38 is another verse they're going to go to for that. Acts 2.38. There's a couple of ways you can, uh, you can take this verse. But uh, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So, here they're going to say, well, it says you have to be baptized and then you get the Holy Ghost, right? It's not the other way around. It seems to be saying that you get baptized and receive the Holy Ghost when you're baptized. But what type of baptism is it talking about there? Is it talking about water baptism there or Holy Ghost? Because once you repent, you, ha you, you are saved. Repent is the same as believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. So once you repent, you get the Holy Ghost baptism. But then what is it saying? Why and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost? Well, so that's one way of interpreting it, saying that that baptism is a Holy Ghost baptism. But let's say it is water baptism he's talking about. Uh, in the early church, uh, the, before, like when the Holy Ghost was first given, uh, it, what people didn't always get the Holy Ghost when they were saved, right? This was something Jesus instituted when he, after he was resurrected. He gave the Holy Ghost to the, the disciples first, and then they had the authority to go around laying on hands, and they were giving the gift of the Holy Ghost to saved people at that time. They were giving the gift by laying on hands, right? So it's, it's not saying that the baptism isn't giving you the Holy Ghost. It's the apostles who say, okay, well, you've been baptized. You're proving to us that you're a believer. So I'm going to lay on hands on you, and you're going to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But that's, that was a temporary, um, that's in Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. But that wasn't like, obviously the apostles are not long, no longer with us, so they couldn't, they're not here to lay on hands, right? So that was a temporary thing, the, the laying on of hands. So let's go to Acts 8, verse 
Um, I'll start with uh, 13. Then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Uh, then they laid their hands on him, them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Um, so here it's telling you it's, they were laying on hands to give the gift of the Holy Ghost at that time. So, that, so Acts 2.38 is most probably talking about that. Uh, but it's not for today because today we get the Holy Ghost, we get a Holy Ghost baptism instantly once you believe. And we'll see that uh, a little bit later. There's something in there. Uh, and of course, if you had to be baptized to be saved, that would contradict also the thief on the cross. We have the thief on the cross in Luke 23. And, and uh, let me just go to Luke 23. is our ultimate example for how to be saved, right? It's a thief on the cross, the minimal example of how to be saved, right? So Luke 23, it says, let me see where that is, 23, 32, 43. So there's two thieves on the left and the right of, of Jesus when he was on the cross. Uh, and one of the thieves said, had realized that he had done wrong. So he said, the other answering rebuked him. So one of the thieves was, was ridiculing Jesus. He was not a good guy. The other thief was saying, wait a second. The other one answering rebuked him, saying, Dost that not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. So the thief here, the one thief, he realized that Jesus was God, and he realized that he was a sinner, because he said, well, I did something wrong. We're on this cross for a good reason, right? Because we did something wrong. So he realized he was a sinner. He realized that Jesus was God, and he just asked Jesus, remember me. He didn't even ask to be saved, really. Jesus, he just says, remember me. He didn't even expect anything. But Jesus said, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. So that's the thief on the cross did not get baptized. Because after this, the thieves and both the thieves and Jesus both were, they died, right? And you can't be baptized once you're dead. So the thief never got baptized, yet he was still saved. So the, this whole baptismal generation, would it would contradict that. So the, we always go to the thief on the cross to people that think you have to do works to be saved. Like even the thief didn't repent of all his sins on the cross. He just realized he was a sinner. 
right? He didn't do any, he didn't clean up his life. He had no chance to. He was on the cross. All he did was ask God to remember him, and that was enough. Just trusted Jesus to save him. That's all you have to do is trust in Jesus, right? So, you know, the baptismal generation, regeneration just doesn't hold water there. Uh, and then the other verse they will go to is the first Peter chapter three verse where they say in first Peter chapter three twenty one says talking about baptism the like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. So they'll just take that. They'll say, Oh, say see, baptism saves you. Uh, it's talking about Noah's Ark, the eight souls were saved by water, and it's a figure Baptism is a figure of Noah's Ark. How they were saved through water, and then worse. But it says also in the in the brackets there, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So it so it's saying that in those brackets, that's the important part. That but the water baptism is has nothing to do with you being saved. It's just the answer of a good conscience towards God. It's just something we're supposed to do in obedience once we're saved and um, so they will twist that verse and say that that says that baptism saves you but it's just a figure it's not literally saying it saves you it's a figure it's like a symbol of you being saved you're already saved at the time you're just responding to your salvation by in obedience in baptism that's all it is um, so that baptismal regeneration is a false doctrine you cannot, you're not saved by baptism. Okay, so let me now go to the Holy Ghost baptism. And um, as it says in John 1, we don't, you don't have to turn to John 1. I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with, with the Holy Ghost. And again in Acts 1, 5 it says, For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. In Acts 1, it was talking about in Acts 2, the Holy Ghost came down upon all the disciples in Acts 2. Um, they were, that was the baptism of the Holy Ghost that they received in Acts 2. Let me go to Acts 2. Let me go to Acts 2. That was on the day of Pentecost. Acts 2 and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each one of the, each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were and so there's the when the Holy Ghost came upon them as it was a permanent indwelling of the Holy Ghost onto the apostles at the time that were in, uh, in Pentecost. So this was when they got their Holy Ghost baptism, right? So that's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Uh, and in John chapter 20, verse 22, Jesus also had uh, given the Holy Ghost to uh, the apostles. So we have uh, Jesus in, in 22. And when he, 
And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. So he's giving them the Holy Ghost there. He breathed on them. Because, of course, he's God, so the Holy Ghost, he, he can give the Holy Ghost to whoever he wants. So he, was, he breathed on them. They got baptized in the Holy Ghost there as well. But I, not all of the disciples were there at the time, I don't think. So the rest of them most, most likely got it in Acts 2. Right? So let me go back to Acts again. Acts 11. Acts 11, 16. Okay, that's another quote. Uh, this, is this is Paul, I think, saying this. Okay, who shall tell thee? Okay, so verse 16. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Okay, that's another Holy Ghost baptism verse. Okay, let me see. Okay, a good verse here is, uh, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I think we saw this verse last week, but it's, it's a good verse. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. So the, it's by the spirit that we're baptized into the body of Christ, not by water baptism. And we've all been made to drink into one spirit. So that's your Holy Ghost baptism right there. It's by the spirit is baptism. And then another, another, ver, another um, when you go to Ephesians chapter 1, it, sort, it tells you what happens when you get saved. In Ephesians chapter 1, Verse, verse 12, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted. After that, ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also that after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. So this seal, you're sealed. Once you believe, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. That's the instantaneous thing. That's not something you go and do afterwards. It's you're sealed with that Holy Spirit. That's Holy Ghost baptism right there. That's it comes upon you. It's nothing you have to do. It's just you. You've you've believed the gospel. You get the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's what it is for today. Back then in Act in Acts, they were laying on hands. But for today, since there's no more apostles to do that. It's not practical for some people to go around laying on hands, and there's no, no one can prove that they're descended in, from the apostles at, at any time. So it, that's why God had to do it differently now, and now it's done just automatically. It just comes down. You, you know, some people feel something when they're baptized in the Holy Ghost when they believe. Sometimes you don't feel anything. You don't. It's different for everybody, right? And in Galatians 3:27, you don't have to turn there. For as many of you have been, as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So, so you're baptized into Christ and you've put on Christ because you'll see in the Bible it'll say put on how we've put on Christ. Well, it's, been, that's from, it's talking about that Holy Ghost baptism into Christ when you believe. Uh, the other thing that was mentioned in, back in 
Luke was how he's going to baptize you with the with Holy Ghost and with fire. So let's go back to Luke 3. Luke 3. And in the, the end of uh, verse 16, He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and will gather the wheat into his garner, but the chaff he will burn with fire unquenchable. So this fire baptism is not what we're going to be receiving. It's what the world is going to be receiving when Jesus returns. It's talking about the wrath of God that's going to be poured down upon the world. And if you, that's the kind of baptism you don't want. The unbelievers are going to be baptized with fire. And that's not the one you want. right? We want the Holy Ghost baptism. We're getting the, we got the Holy Ghost baptism. We're going to be protected from the wrath of God because of that. So the baptism of fire is what the world's going to receive when Jesus returns. Because um, some people say, well, it's the Father that's pouring out the wrath in Revelation. But according to this, it's Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is doing it personally. He's coming to pour out his wrath. Because, uh, of course, these three are one, right? The Trinity, Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, these three are one. Father, the Word. So, yeah, the Father... Jesus, they're the same person, so he's going to be doing it. Uh, and so those are the different types of baptism. Uh, there's something in 2 Thessalonians as well that mentions this fire baptism. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7 says, And to, who, to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. So this is when he returns. He's in taking vengeance on those that obey not the gospel. And obeying the gospel is the same as believing on the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. So the people that haven't believed at that time are going to be subject to the wrath of God when Jesus returns. Uh, that baptism, that's the baptism of fire again. Um, the next topic for baptism here is the question of who can perform a baptism. And it's something I've wondered myself. Because, um, you know, in the independent Baptist community, it's the pastors that baptize people. Mostly, most of the time, it's just the pastors only that do it. Uh, the deacons, sometimes a deacon will do it, but 99% of the time it's only the pastor that baptizes people. Um, but let's see what, who baptized in the, in the Bible. Let's, let's, the Bible will tell us who did that. Well, we know John the Baptist did, did baptisms. He was a prophet. He was not a pastor. He's a prophet. So he was told by God to do it. Okay. Uh, the apostles did baptisms. Now in Matthew 28, let's go back to Matthew. Matthew 28, near the end of Matthew. Matthew 28, yeah, Jesus giving the Great Commission here. Go ye therefore, in verse 19, go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, 
teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even into the end of the world. So he gave the disciples the authority to baptize people as uh, once they believe, right? And uh, so, the, so those those people can ba- could baptize disciples. In First Corinthians one, uh, Paul mentioned that he baptized some people. Paul was uh, the least of the apostles. He called himself. Um, he was. He said he was glad he didn't baptize. He didn't baptize a lot of people. I don't think. Uh, let's, let me just go to First Corinthians, uh, chapter one. If I can find it here. First Corinthians chapter one. Thirteen. Okay. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were ye baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you, but Crispus and Gaius. Lest any should say that I had baptized in mine own name. And I baptized also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know not where I, whether I baptized any other. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. So it wasn't that important to uh, to Paul. It was like there were some people that were following certain men back then, like Apollos and Cephas. So he was glad he didn't baptize them, and then they would, maybe they would you know, follow Paul and try and worship Paul instead. But he was sent not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. So that's more important. Preaching the gospel is more important than baptizing. But he did baptize a couple of people. So there's another example of who baptized. Who did not baptize? Um, in um, uh, John chapter 4. Uh, you don't have to turn there. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples. Jesus Christ did not baptize anybody. He told that he had the disciples do it. It was only the disciples that were doing it. He did not baptize anyone. He, although, eventually, he's baptizing everyone in the, in, the, in the Holy Ghost baptism, right? Not the water baptism. Uh, and now, here's an example of someone who was not a pastor, who's not an apostle, in Acts chapter 8. Acts 8.38, back to Acts 8.38. This is Philip, the evangelist. So he came across the Ethiopian eunuch, and then in verse 38, he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they both went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. So Philip, the evangelist, was not a a pastor. He was not... He was not an apostle. He was an evangelist. He was ordained as an. Uh, he was sent out as an evangelist, just to preach the gospel. But he had the authority to baptize people who would believe. So I believe. You know, I believe that. You know, because of that example, any saved believer, anyone who goes out and preaches the gospel, is has the authority to baptize anyone. Even even the Catholic Church will tell you in the Catechism. I read it. Uh, the Catholic Church will say that anyone can perform a baptism if necessary, if there's no priest around or whatever, in an emergency, because of course they think that it saves you. So if there's a, a baptism emergency that someone needs to get baptized quick before they die, 
anyone could do it according to the Catholic Church so even the Catholic Church are giving authority to all believers so I think all believers anyone who believes the gospel who's saved is able to baptize uh, anyone who's an evangelist I would think uh, so let's just cover now what is the way to baptize like what happens in, at baptism uh, because in, there's there's a couple of different things we see here there's one verse that all the Baptist churches are using to get their baptism formula from and that's Matthew 28 19 which I just covered go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost so most churches will baptize when you get baptized they'll say I baptize you in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Ghost and then they immerse you and you come back out of the water that's the formula that 99% of churches today will use but and it's based on this one verse right but let's see what, what how did the apostles do it because this is what Jesus told them to do but let's see what they did right because in Acts 2:38 it says Peter says repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins he didn't say Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. He said, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Acts 2.38. And then let's go through Acts. Acts 8.16 tells you what they did. Acts 8.16 says uh, about the Holy Ghost, For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they were baptizing them in the name of the Lord Jesus there. Acts 10 48 Acts 10:48 says and 47 says can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord then prayed they them to tarry certain days so the name of the Lord there that's Jesus Christ the Lord Jesus Christ so and also there in verse 47 they've also already received the Holy Ghost when they're being baptized so it's they've they've already received that the Holy Ghost and then they're being baptized so even by this time in Acts it seems like the laying on of hands you know may may not have um, had either stopped and maybe people were getting baptized automatically by the Holy Ghost at the time because before in Acts 2 Peter was saying first be baptized then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost but in Acts 10 they've already received the gift of the Holy Ghost and now they're being baptized so it's sort of it seems like there's been a change there between Acts 2 and Acts 10 in terms of how baptism works when when it comes to the Holy Ghost it's something I just noticed um, Acts 19 a couple more verses here Acts 19 verse 5 yeah, where Paul uh, then said Paul John barely barely baptized with the baptism of repentance saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him that is on Christ Jesus when they heard this they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus again the name of the Lord Jesus not Father Son and Holy Ghost Acts 22 and this is the last one on this Acts 22, verse 16. 
and, that, and now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So they're calling on the name of the Lord there. Um, that doesn't directly say wh what name they're baptizing in, but we have enough examples here to show us that the apostles, even though they, they were commanded to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, the apostles took that command and they interpreted it as being the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were baptizing in the name of the Lord Jesus, not the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. So people will say that, well, the Baptists have always baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. That's not true, though. In the history of the Baptists book that I covered earlier, uh, the Pope mentions the Eunomians were baptizing in the name of Christ alone so and by a single immersion. So they were using the name of Jesus Christ to baptize people, not Father, Son, and Holy... And that's why, again, he was complaining because the Catholic Church does it, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. But they say, well, if you're baptizing... And I've even heard this from independent Baptists saying, if you're baptizing in the name of the Lord Jesus, then... Uh, you're you're a heretic. I've been I've heard that. Like you're you're one of these Jesus-only Pentecostals if you do that, right? But the apostles were doing that. The apostles have several examples of that, that were doing that. So in the history of the Baptist, so if you look at some of the old Baptist confessions from like the 1600s, so we know that they were doing it in the 600s in the sixth century. The Baptist con confession of like 1660. Uh, there's a guy that has a video of all these old Baptist confessions say that you can baptize in the name of the Lord Jesus or Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. So you got your, you can choose which one because it, it's it's not super clear. There's there's a command to do it in, in one way, but there's examples that where they did it in the other way. So I think the, in the name of the Lord Jesus, especially since in the Trinity doctrine, you know, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, these three are one. The name of the Lord Jesus is really is the name of the Father, it is the name of the Son, and it is the name of the Holy Ghost. Really, when you get right down to it, they're all the same person. So, the correct, I believe, now I was baptized because in the pastor that baptized me, did it, he does it in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, you know, we have a verse to support that. So there's no need to get rebaptized just because of that or anything like that. But if I, if I were to do it all over again, I would, I would want to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because I think it's more biblical to do it that way. Um, let's see. And it also says the Eunomians, they believe God was one person, not three separate persons as well. So they were back then in the sixth, in the sixth century. Um, now I'm going to get to the symbology of baptism. Uh, the baptism, what does baptism symbolize? So let me go now to Romans chapter 6. And in that verse in Acts, it says to, Why tarriest thou? Why don't you just get baptized right away? So, I mean, they want you to get baptized as soon as you can, right after you're saved. Um, says, why are you waiting? Why are you waiting? That's what I say to my daughter. Why, why do you, you know, get baptized? She doesn't want to do it, though. So <laughs> eventually, I'm hoping she will. All right? Maybe I can baptize her myself when the time comes. All right, so let me go to Romans 6. Chapter 1. 
verse 3, Romans 6, verse 3. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So the, the, they get part of their baptismal formula from that verse where they'll, they'll say, okay, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And then when before they um, dunk you into the water, before the pastor uh, puts you into the water, he'll say, buried with him by baptism, you go under the water, and then when you come out, raised to newness of life is what they say, is what they'll say. So it's from that uh, Romans 6, 4. So it's symbolizing, baptism is symbolizing that we're being, uh, it's, we're baptized into his death. So it's a symbol, uh, just like he was raised from the dead, we're considered dead to sin when we're, when we're saved. So it's a symbol of being, the, of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection we're dead to sin and then we're resurrected into newness of life that's so that's the symbol of what baptism means right uh, and then of course in first peter 3 which i covered earlier it's an answer of a good conscience towards god it's something we should be doing we need to be we, we should do but it's not something that saves you it's something you do after you're saved and then uh, another symbol of baptism is in first corinthians chapter 10 and it's talking about what happened in uh, when they came out of Egypt uh, when they uh, so 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 1 moreover brethren I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. So the baptism there of the Red Sea, when they crossed through the Red Sea, that was a picture of baptism. It's saying they were baptized unto Moses when they went through the Red Sea, when they came out of Egypt, and they were uh, drank of the same spiritual drink. So... Uh, and that rock was Christ. So the one they got saved back then, they were they were you know they were trusting in the Messiah. They didn't know that Jesus Christ was coming at that time. They didn't know his name, but they knew a Messiah was coming. So when they were saved in the Old Testament, now baptism isn't mentioned whatsoever in the Old Testament. That is never mentioned in the Old Testament. Only in the New Testament. But here's where it's telling you that. The Red Sea crossing was a symbol of baptism in the Old Testament. And uh, that's all I have today. Um, just to say that, you know, if you haven't been baptized, if you're a believer and you haven't been baptized, I would urge you strongly to try and get baptized. Try and arrange to get baptized. It's kind of hard in this in this place because we don't really have the ability there's no baptismal here right there's no but I mean if you can if somehow it could be arranged to go to a pool or someplace like that um, it could be done right uh, but um, so just you know it's something we should do it's not something that saves you it's just an obe step of obedience to proclaim your faith that you're a child of God so and I'll just finish there